0: Chapter 42 of Strange Stories from a Chinese Studio, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Strange Stories from a Chinese Studio, Volume 1, by Song Ling Pu. Translated by Herbert Allen Giles. Chapter 42. The Wonderful Stone. In the prefecture of Shuntian, there lived a man named Hsien Yung Fei, who was an amateur mineralogist and would pay any price for a good specimen. One day, as he was fishing in the river, something caught his net and diving down, he brought up a stone about a foot in diameter, beautifully carved on all sides to resemble clustering hills and peaks. He was quite as pleased with this as if he had found some precious stone, and having had an elegant sandalwood stand made for it, he set his prize upon the table. Whenever it was about to rain, Clouds, which from a distance looked like new cotton wool, would come forth from each of the holes or grottos on the stone, and appear to close them up. By and by, an influential personage called at the house and begged to see the stone, immediately seizing it and handing it over to a lusty servant, at the same time whipping his horse and riding away. Seeing was in despair but all he could do was to mourn the loss of his stone and indulge his anger against the thief. Meanwhile, the servant, who had carried off the stone on his back, stopped to rest at a bridge, when all of a sudden his hand slipped and the stone fell into the water. His master was extremely put out at this and gave him a sound beating subsequently hiring several divers who tried every means in their power to recover the stone but were quite unable to find it he then went away having first published a notice of reward and by these means many were tempted to seek for the stone soon after Hsing himself came to the spot and as he mournfully approached the bank lo The water became clear, and he could see the stone lying at the bottom. Taking off his clothes, he quickly jumped in and brought it out, together with the sandalwood stand which was still with it. He carried it off home, but being no longer desirous of shoeing it to people, he had an inner room cleaned and put it in there. Some time afterwards, an old man knocked at the door and asked to be allowed to see the stone, whereupon Hsing replied that he had lost it a long time ago. Isn't that in the inner room? said the old man, smiling. Oh, walk in and see for yourself, if you don't believe me, answered Hsing. And the old man did walk in, and there was the stone on the table. This took Xing very much aback, and the old man then laid his hand upon the stone and said, This is an old family relic of mine. I lost it many months since. How does it come to be here? I pray you now, restore it to me. The Xing didn't know what to say, but declared he was the owner of the stone upon which the old man remarked, If it is really yours, what evidence can you bring to prove it? The seeing made no reply, and the old man continued, To show you that I know this stone, I may mention that it has altogether ninety-two grottos, and that in the largest of these are five words, A stone from heaven above. Sing looked and found that there were actually some small characters, no larger than grains of rice, which by straining his eyes a little he managed to read. Also that the number of grottoes was as the old man had said. However, he would not give him the stone. And the old man laughed and asked, "'Pray, what might have you to keep other people's things?' He then bowed and went away, the seeing escorting him as far as the door, but when he returned to the room, the stone had disappeared. In a great fright, he ran after the old man, who had walked slowly and was not far off, and seizing his sleeve, entreated him to give back the stone. "'Do you think?' said the latter that I could conceal a stone a foot in diameter in my sleeve. But Hsing knew that he must be superhuman, and led him back to the house, where he threw himself on his knees and begged that he might have the stone. Is it yours or mine? asked the old man. Of course it is yours, replied Hsing, though I hope you will consent to deny yourself the pleasure of keeping it. In that case, said the old man, it is back again, and going into the inner room, they found the stone in its old place. The jewels of this world, observed Hsing's visitor, should be given to those who know how to take care of them. This stone can choose its own master, and I am very pleased that it should remain with you. At the same time, I must inform you that it was in too great a hurry to come into the world of mortals, and has not yet been freed from all contingent calamities. I had better take it away with me, and three years hence you shall have it again. If, however, you insist on keeping it, then your span of life will be shortened by three years, that your terms of existence may harmonize together. Are you willing? Tsing said he was, whereupon the old man with his fingers closed up three of the stone's grottoes, which yielded to his touch like mud. When this was done, he turned to Hs'ing and told him that the grottoes on that stone represented the years of his life. And then he took his leave, firmly refusing to remain any longer and not disclosing his name. More than a year after this, Hsing had occasion to go away on business, and in the night, a thief broke in and carried off the stone, taking nothing else at all. When Hsing came home, he was dreadfully grieved, as if his whole object in life was gone, and made all possible inquiries and efforts to get it back, but without the slightest result. Some time passed away, when one day, going into a temple, seeing noticed a man selling stones, and amongst the rest he saw his old friend. Of course, he immediately wanted to regain possession of it, but as the stone seller would not consent, he shouldered the stone and went off to the nearest Mandarin. The stone seller was then asked what proof he could give that the stone was his and he replied that the number of grottos was eighty-nine. Sieng inquired if that was all he had to say, and when the other acknowledged that it was, he himself told the magistrate that there were the characters inscribed within, also calling attention to the finger marks of the closed-up grottos. He therefore gained his case, and the mandarin would have bambooed the stone cellar, had he not declared that he bought it in the market for twenty ounces of silver, whereupon he was dismissed. A high official next offered Hsing one hundred ounces of silver for it, but he refused to sell it, even for ten thousand, which so enraged the would-be purchaser that he worked up a case against Hsing and got him put in prison. Hs'ing was thereby compelled to pawn a great deal of his property, and then the official sent someone to try if the affair could not be managed through his son, to which Xing, on hearing of the attempt, steadily refused to consent, saying that he and the stone could not be parted even in death. His wife, however, and his son laid their heads together and sent the stone to the high official, and Hsing only heard of it when he arrived home from the prison. He cursed his wife and beat his son, and frequently tried to make away with himself, though luckily his servants always managed to prevent him from succeeding. At night he dreamt that a noble-looking personage appeared to him and said, My name is Si Xing Su, Stone from Heaven. Do not grieve. I purposely quitted you for a year and more. But next year, on the twentieth of the eighth moon, at dawn, come to the Hightai gate and buy me back for two strings of cash. Xing was overjoyed at this dream, and carefully took down the day mentioned. Meanwhile, the stone was at the official's private house, but as the cloud manifestations ceased, the stone was less and less prized and the following year, when the official was disgraced for maladministration and subsequently died, Hsing met some of his servants at the Tai Gate, going off to sell the stone, and purchased it back from them for two strings of cash. Hsing lived till he was eighty-nine, and then, having prepared the necessaries for his internment, bade his son bury the stone with him, which was accordingly done. Six months later, robbers broke into the vault and made off with the stone, and his son tried in vain to secure their capture. However, a few days afterwards, he was travelling with his servants, when suddenly two men rushed forth, dripping with perspiration and looking up into the air, acknowledged their crime, saying, "'Mr. Singh, please don't torment us thus.' We took the stone, and sold it for only four ounces of silver. Singh's son and his servants then seized these men, and took them before the magistrate, where they at once acknowledged their guilt. Asking what had become of the stone, they said that they had sold it to a member of the magistrate's family, and when it was produced, that official took such a fancy to it that he gave it to one of his servants, and bade him place it in the treasury. Thereupon the stone slipped out of the servant's hand, and broke into a hundred pieces, to the great astonishment of all present. The magistrate now had the thieves bambooed, and sent them away. But his son picked up the broken pieces of the stone, and buried them in his father's grave. End of chapter forty-two the wonderful stone.